are we willing to live as sojourners and as foreigners in this world when it comes to our values, our ethic, our worldview? I'll tell you, it's going to mean some discomfort. It is going to mean a real sense of being an outsider as one whose home is in another land. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths. And Jonathan, I think it can be very easy to allow the voice of culture, to allow all these messages of, you know, this is what your life ought to look like uh, to crowd out and to cause us to forget, if you will, the fact that, no, this home is not ultimately our home. We're just here for a little while. Um, How do we make sure that we keep that right and proper perspective? Well, we do need to keep that sort of pilgrim perspective in all of life. It's very hard, of course, because we we live in this material world and we have material needs and and those can be a real focus for us and there are material experiences and pleasures and so on that we enjoy and we can become wrapped up in those all too easily but we are called to be a pilgrim people who are setting our hearts and minds on the world that is to come and in order to do that i think we need to keep our minds immersed in scripture. We need to be among the Lord's people and involved in in Christian fellowship so that we can encourage each other and remind one another of who we are and where we're going. And that's a regular thing. It's about the rhythm of life where day by day we're in the scriptures, week by week and more often we're we're among the Lord's people. Those are the things that 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 help us and keep our eyes fixed on heaven above. Well, we're going to uh, be reminded of that today as we open our Bibles and uh, join Jonathan in Genesis 23. We're beginning a message called Waiting for a Homeland. Here is Jonathan. Well, Abraham and Sarah looked as though they had drunk from a fountain of eternal youth. When we met them at the beginning of their great story back in Genesis 12, they were already pretty elderly, too elderly, we might think, to begin a new adventure, far too early to start a family. But God met them. God made promises to them, promises of blessing in a place of curse, promises of salvation in a world that is under judgment for sin. Abraham and Sarah represented a new start and a new story in this sin-stricken, fallen worlds. They would be channels of life, and they would be channels of hope. And if as living and breathing symbols of that hope, God gave to this elderly and childless couple the gift of a son in their extreme old age. There is something about Abraham and Sarah, something about them as recipients and as channels of the blessing of God, something which seems to kind of defy gravity when it comes to age and decline and when it comes to that awful pull of the grave. But here in Genesis 23, the pull of that mortal gravity, it wins out and the grave, it claims Sarah. Although I suppose we we knew it was coming, we find it all a bit jarring, a bit unsettling, and we find it sad. The image of Abraham, verse two, mourning with tears, his wife of so many decades, it is a moving scene. It It is a tragic scene. 
Well, this is a moving scene, and at the same time, it is here to instruct us, and it is here to encourage us. As we've said so often in this series in the life of Abraham, Abraham's life and Sarah's life, they have a wider meaning, a wider significance beyond their own immediate story. They are recipients and conduits of the salvation promises and the salvation blessings of God. Promises that counteract the judgment of the fall. Promises that constitute the nation of Israel. Promises that point to Christ and our salvation that is found in Him. And so as we consider the death of Sarah today, we need to consider her passing within the bigger picture of these grand promises of God. What do we learn here and what do we see? Well, in a sense, Abraham's next words, famous words, give us something of a key. Notice what he does. Notice what he says, verse 3. And Abraham rose up from before his dead and said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner and a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Now, as a semi-nomadic person, Abraham, he's got no land on which to bury his dead. And so he must go to the local landowners and ask. And as he does so, he summarizes his situation. He is a sojourner, he says, and a foreigner. Now, a sojourner, it's not a word we use very much, but it is somewhat technical. It is a person who is passing through, one on a journey who may spend some time in a given place, but doesn't have a permanent home there. And that's what Abraham is. And it is what Sarah has been. And it is what she was when she departed this life. Sojourners and foreigners. Now, to us, as we consider that, it may look as though something along the way has gone wrong here. Some element of God's plan has failed and fallen short. There's something in this that feels a little bit unsatisfactory, something a bit disappointing. Surely they could have had more as servants of God. Surely they might have expected more. But the rest of Scripture doesn't see it that way. The New Testament would point to Abraham and Sarah's status as sojourners and foreigners in the land. It would point to that actually as a model for the rest of us. The New Testament would tell us that every true believer must actually live as they lived in that key respect. As they were sojourners and foreigners in their day, so too must we be in ours. Well, what then do we learn here about living as sojourners and foreigners in the world? What do Abraham and Sarah model for us in this? What are the lessons to note and to take away? Well, we see from Abraham and Sarah that sojourners and foreigners first they hold lightly to their earthly home. Abraham and Sarah had left their homeland many decades before. 
Back in Genesis 12, God had called them to leave their family and their familiar territory and go to the place that he would send them, a land that he would give to them and to their descendants. Abraham and Sarah, they duly pack up their things and they go. And at that point, they begin this lifestyle of wandering. They became semi-nomads going to the land of promise, but not settling in any city, not, not buying land, not building a homestead, but rather moving around from place to place as so many keepers of herds and flocks of animals would have done. Now that lifestyle, it certainly left them vulnerable in some key ways. We saw that vulnerability in their interactions with King Abimelech back in chapter 20. We'd seen it before with Pharaoh. The, the land there, it was theirs by divine promise, but it was not yet theirs by geopolitical reality. Now I don't know what your life experience has been thus far. If you've always lived in the same house, maybe you have. Or perhaps you've moved around a lot. I don't know if you've always rented or if you've ever owned your own home. Some have moved around a lot because of work, because of profession that you've chosen or the profession of a spouse or a parent. I know we have a number of military families in our church. And families with a parent in the armed forces tend to know something about moving around Ministry families often know that too, actually. Pastors and missionaries often have different assignments at different stages of life. Looking back on our own story, actually, I was reflecting on it. I think we had five different homes in our first 10 years of marriage. And I remember the conversations and the questions we turned over in our own mind. You know, when would the Lord have us stop moving and maybe settle down in one place? Maybe you've had an experience of that kind. Maybe you are a wanderer and a pilgrim, even in that sense, now. Well, as the years have gone by, Abraham and Sarah have continued their pilgrimage. And we might have imagined that the Lord would have given them some space and some opportunity, some freedom and, and some provision just to settle down, to, to build a homestead, to establish a community, to put down roots. But that's not what happened. And frankly, as we reach the end of Sarah's life and see and discover that she is still rootless, she never built her dream home. She and Abraham, they never got to sit down with the architect and imagine and dream and draw. They never sat down with the interior decorator to choose fixtures and fittings and paint colors. So now we, we, we learn of Sarah's death. And added to the sadness of her passing, we see her elderly husband now having to go out into the market to the city gate among foreigners to secure just somewhere to bury her. It's one thing to die at home among your people, maybe even in the house where you've lived with your family. Death is always a sadness, but there is some comfort there, I think. But to die in a foreign land, to die among a people who are not your people. That's a harder thing to do. You know, if a family go on a journey and suffer a bereavement while away, as sometimes happens, that is a particularly hard grief to bear. There's something especially, especially tragic 
about their lot. And we sense something of the hardness of this situation as we observe Abraham as he collects himself and considers his next steps. Verse 3, Abraham rose up before his dead, said to the Hittites, I am a sojourner, a foreigner among you. Give me property among you for a burying place that I may bury my dead out of my sight. Abraham cuts a lonely figure as he rises up from before his dead, as the text puts it. And no one knows his grief as he knows it. And he goes out not before his family and his, his kinsmen, but before the Hittites. It's what he's got to do. And he declares what is so obviously true. I am, I am a sojourner and I am a foreigner among you. That's what he is. And the New Testament makes clear that this is at the core of his model of faith for us. It is at the core of what he teaches us about the very nature of the life of faith. The writer of Hebrews really drives the point home, Hebrews 11, and you may, you may wish to turn to this. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, familiar words. We've turned to Hebrews 11 a number of times in this series, of course. Hebrews 11 and verse 8, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. Why were Abraham and Sarah willing to live as semi-nomads all those years? They were certainly wealthy enough to settle down. Why live in tents all the time, even when they were in the land of promise, the land that the Lord was giving to them? Well, they were willing to live that way as called by God because they were looking forward to the city of God, the city that has foundations, the heavenly city where their true home lies. The writer goes on in Hebrews, thinking of Abraham and Sarah and perhaps other heroes of the faith. Verse 13, these all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. Similar language there. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they'd been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return, and they could have. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. There is a way of life that characterizes the true people of God, people who have faith, people who trust in the promises of God, who see those promises and greet them from afar. As people, they, they live as strangers and exiles on the earth, sojourners and foreigners, people who are just passing through. 
And friends, as we think about that, as we consider that, there is deep challenge and rich encouragement for us. There is deep challenge for us if we are those who are making this world too much our home. You're listening to Encounter the Truth with Jonathan Griffiths and a message called Waiting for a Homeland. It's from the series called The Blessing. Today, really taking a look at Genesis chapter 23. Well, here at Encounter the Truth, we're able to stay on this station because of your generosity. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called Hope in the Face of Suffering. It's written by Jeremy Marshall. And in his book, he helps readers apply the principles that he has learned through his own experience of dealing with terminal cancer. He holds out the message of hope in the Bible and the medicine cabinet where we can find the treatment for our suffering. And he meditates on God's promises, which really are like a rock upon which we can stand secure. It's in this book called Hope in the Face of Suffering. Again, we'd love to send you a copy as you give a financial gift of any amount. You can find out more or give online at EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. All that uh, contact info a little bit later in the broadcast as well. But right now, let's get back to the message. Here is Jonathan. There is deep challenge for us if we are those who are making this world too much our home. And there are all kinds of ways in which we might do that if we're not careful. We, we do it in terms of our values if we're not careful. The society around us it doesn't know our Lord and it doesn't esteem His Word. And, and the way in which the people of God think and the way in which the people of God live it's, it's foreign to them, and it should be a little bit foreign to them. We need to kind of stick out like sore thumbs from those around us in some key ways. We need to be recognizably different in the way in which we view the world, in our ethic, in our values. But we need to recognize as well, and I need to acknowledge this today, we are under huge pressure. And our children are under huge pressure to absorb and to adopt the world's values. In the world into which I was born, I'm not that old, it was probably, I think, seen as, I don't know, quaint to hold Christian values and a Christian ethic. Now, in many quarters, it is seen as something more sinister and subversive to hold to the teaching of Jesus Christ, to hold to what is seen now as a repressive set of values that actually probably need to be dismantled and set aside. And so we have to ask ourselves, don't we, with some urgency, are we willing to live as sojourners and as foreigners in this world when it comes to our values, our ethic, our worldview. If we're going to do that, I'll tell you, it's going to mean some discomfort. It is going to mean a real sense of being an outsider as one whose home is in another land. We need to live as sojourners as well when it comes to our, our home and our possessions. There's something very important to us, isn't there, for all of us about having a home, about having our things around us, uh, 
And don't get me wrong, I don't think there's anything wrong with having a home and belongings. Abraham and Sarah, they weren't poor. Even within this chapter, Abraham is able to produce what appears to be quite a substantial amount of money to buy land as needed. Back in chapter 13, he and his nephew Lot, if you remember that, they had clearly become so prosperous that they needed to separate so that they had enough land for their flocks and herds and growing households. It's not that Abraham and Sarah had nothing or lived in poverty or refused all earthly comfort. I don't think that's the particular picture here. But as they walked with the Lord and lived before Him by faith, they did not place their security in putting down roots in this world, in establishing their homestead, in securing their position within the community. That wasn't their outlook. That wasn't their priority. And in that sense, they were somewhat otherworldly. You see, we all love to build earthly security, don't we? And we love to find earthly comfort. But there is a sense for the people of God that our roots only ever go so deep here on earth. And our danger is simply that in seeking security and seeking comfort in this world, we place our hope in our home in our possessions, in our wealth, in our savings, in our pensions, in the life we have created for ourselves within our communities. Our danger is that in a material sense, we will settle too much into our earthly home and so stop looking to our heavenly home. But the Lord calls His people to be sojourners, those who are just passing through. And so let me ask you, as I ask myself, if you and I really believed ourselves to be sojourners in the world, in our communities, is if we saw ourselves really to be tenants, temporary tenants in our homes, not eternal residents as we sometimes imagine, if we had that outlook consistently, what might change in our attitude to our possessions? Would we perhaps accumulate less? I guess we might. Would we perhaps be concerned less about saving and accumulating wealth and more ready to be generous and spend what we have? Would we be less concerned about making everything perfect in our houses, keeping the decor 100% up to date, buying the very nicest gadgets and furnishings and so on? Now, not that any one of those things is bad in and of itself necessarily, but maybe our desire and our drive and our instinct to make our homes just so, maybe it speaks to a heart issue for us, to a faith issue that forgets that this world is not our home. Sojourners and foreigners hold lightly to their earthly home. Jonathan Griffiths here on Encounter the Truth, a message called Waiting for a Homeland, and we're going to continue that next time. If you ever miss a broadcast, you can always come and listen online at EncounterTheTruth.org. Well, Encounter the Truth is listener-supported. That's exactly what it sounds like. It is your generous giving that keeps Jonathan's teaching on this station. And as you give a gift of any amount this month, we want to say thank you by sending you a book called Hope in the Face of Suffering. And Jonathan, for those who are suffering, 
How is this book going to be helpful? Well, I trust it, it will be an immense help to you if you are going through a time of suffering. Jeremy Marshall writes as one who is living through a, a personal experience of terminal cancer, of incurable cancer, and he is facing that as one who is looking to Christ and trusting in the promises of God's Word. And in this little book, he simply shares the message of hope found in the Bible, found in Jesus Christ, and applies it to those who are enduring suffering and grappling with the frailty of human life in this world. And I think that personal perspective and that biblical perspective will come together to be a tremendous encouragement to you if you're suffering or to those to whom you might like to give this book who are going through a time of suffering. Well, we want to give you a copy of this book as you give a financial gift of any amount this month. You can find out more, give online when you come to EncounterTheTruth.org or call us at 833-99-TRUTH. Again, our website, EncounterTheTruth.org and our phone number, 833-998-7884. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll join us next time.